Welcome back to Maker Chat Live. I'm your host, Adam Krutinger, and today we're going to be talking about making drag with Ritzy Bits. Stick around. And how are you doing today, Ritzy? I'm fantastic. How about you? Good, good. I'm so excited to have you on because drag is such an interesting thing that I think often isn't thought about as, as in a maker context, but the thing about drag that I love about it is it's kind of a little bit of everything. There's a fashion involved, performing, a lot of making, illusion, and uh, you have to be a jack of all trades to really do it. And I was wanted to talk to you about like what it takes to do drag. Well, you said it. It really is a lot. I have learned a lot about myself and other art things that I didn't even think would come into play. And I'm sitting here in my room trying to make outfits, and I'm like, oh, I really should have paid more attention in art class, huh? It's <laughs> it, it's quite yeah. fantastic. That's, did you get any inspiration from art class at all? What was your inspiration to start getting into drag? Uh. I always liked makeup and I would watch makeup transformations on YouTube all the time. Uh, just regular women or boy to girl drag transformations. It always intrigued me, the artistry of the makeup. And I always wanted to be an artist, but not really a painter. I could do a mean stick figure though. So that's where my art skills lie. But then I found makeup and I was like, oh, we can do this. This is exciting. So that's really how I got into it. I wanted to practice makeup on myself. I thought maybe I'll be a makeup artist and do makeup on other people. And then I realized, no, I don't like that pressure. <laughs> Doing makeup on other people is a lot of, I don't like this. And me going, well, it's the only way to achieve the look you want. So <laughs> that, that, that's kind of with, with any uh, commission worker or that you're working with people. But that's so uh, I would definitely you are an artist. I mean, makeup is definitely an art. And actually, in the last episode, we were talking to Rashad Santiago, who was on Face Off. But it was a special effects makeup. But yeah. one thing you learn from even watching that show, there's so much crossover between beauty makeup and special effects makeup. And, and, and especially drag is a good representation of that, because especially... Like, I'm a big fan of RuPaul's Drag Race as well. And you see some of the stuff. Sometimes there is very special effect style makeup and, and really intricate stuff going on. Oh, yeah. Well, you, you kind of start with the beauty and then you realize in order to achieve something extra, you have to go in the extra mile and get into uh, the different types of special effects makeup that they have available. I try, try to stay away from that. It's very, very intimidating, but uh, I have found that my talents mostly are in the beauty makeup department. I have a lot of fun with that. And from there, I just I spiraled into making, we call them mixes in the drag community, but it's essentially a mashup of spoken word from movies, TV shows, uh, even something as simple as like a YouTube video that you found that tickled you, and you mash it together with music to tell a story. And that's that's another talent that I actually kind of developed as a kid making medleys of musicals that did not go together at all. But I, I remember toying around with programs like audacity and how I use logic pro to do all of that. And so that was something from my childhood that served drag pretty well. And then doing hair, was fun. I've always been a big fan of Barbie dolls, even though I never had very many growing up. And my favorite thing was doing the hair. So hair has been a skill that I had to learn as well. 
Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah, uh, especially like, especially being able to do media is so handy. Not only just in you know as technology goes forward, but especially in a time like this. Have you been able to keep up any performing uh, virtually in in what's going on? I am fortunate to be asked to do a couple of virtual drag shows. Which at first I was like, I don't know if I. I like the idea of that because I'm more of a live experience and you come to the show. I have fun with you. And now it's just me in my room doing exactly what I'm doing now to music. And I'm like, okay, I hope this is entertaining, but it's, it's fun because then you're filming it. You watch it back and you go, Oh, okay. This is how I can tell the story in this medium and being handy with, uh, editing videos is really coming to my advantage at this point because I sat back and I was like, I think I can do all of my numbers this way now. And it's exciting. Yeah, that is exciting. Yeah. Cause that's, I think that's one of the big mistakes that a lot of people make when with something like this is they try to take what they were doing and just fit it into video form, which again, the second you become a video, you're competing with other video media, even like things like RuPaul's Drag Race. And how can you make it different? What can you do with this medium that can't be done with that TV show? And I think, I think that's really smart to do it like that. I wonder if even like almost like a vlog style thing. Uh, in like inside your mind type of thing would be really cool too to kind of follow your journey. If I could find a way to edit what goes on in my head to make <laughs> any sense, then yeah, I think that would be great. Um, I, I I'm trying to figure it out because there are so many creative ways that queens have brought their at home talents like cooking to their drag personas, and now they're able to share more things that they're passionate about because a lot of it, when it's just performance driven, you see the performer and that's great. That's lovely. But a lot of us are really great people with fun personalities. And uh, my one good friend, Jacqueline Hyde, she does a cooking show on Facebook and it's going really, really well for her. So it's nice to see that I am, um, have just gotten into doll painting so that's something I'm I'm not quite confident with it yet to share it with the world, but I I'm enjoying myself so far. It's been really fun. Yeah, that's a whole other another whole art form is that, that doll painting. I've seen that before. People is it, you take uh, like Barbies or other toys, right, and then you redo yeah. them. What it is? I actually earlier I had gotten a Sailor Moon doll. Oh, you can't really see her there. I'll do the YouTuber thing. Can you see her better? Uh, I actually, I splurged on eBay. I got the set of all of the Sailor Scouts, 17-inch dolls. And I'm going to repaint them all and have a good time with that because their their makeup on the dolls is not my favorite. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and I like what you're saying, too, about how, how a lot of these artists take things from their their they're hobbies that are separate usually from drag and bringing it in. And I feel like you, you kind of do that with some of your performance as well, because you're very, you're very athletic and you're very, uh, well, actually I have this little clip that we can just uh, show for people quick. Oh yeah. Go ahead. Show the kids. Yeah. That's definitely something that you can, uh, bring some pizzazz with your performances with that. How other, is there any other special ways that you incorporate that kind of stuff? Uh, I usually use that for like dramatic effect, um, just to kind of give the number a little something special. I remember when I first started, actually, my friends were like, wait, you do gymnastics. Why aren't you doing that in your act? Why don't you 
come out here and be the flipping queen. And I said, but why, why would I do that? Nobody's, nobody's going to care about that. And here we are now, six years later and people, they like it, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's uh, that's really cool too, and especially it's nice to have something that differentiates you. Because, like you said, um, you know, you're very interested in makeup and fashion. Where I mean, that's definitely a really amazing hobby and talent. But that kind of goes with drag anyway. You kind of can't yeah. really not not have that, right? So it's nice oh, to be. Well, I would argue there are plenty of drag queens that are not interested in fashion. Well, yeah, <laughs> so they're just out there, yeah. but. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I can give you that for sure. But uh, but actually, I, I want to go back just a moment again. To so you said you learned your uh, makeup skills through YouTube videos, right? Yep, I yeah. would watch a video and sit down. I deconstruct. Well, they show you step by step what they're doing. So I would go out and buy similar products and recreate it on myself. And that's really how I learned. And I I love YouTube because so many people have so many talents that all fall under the same umbrella. And with makeup, there's no right way or wrong way. It's just what works for you. So I learned so many incredible things to do your foundation, to do your eyelashes. And that's what really, oh, I could sit there and stack an eyelash all day. It's one of my favorite activities. Actually, these are quite freshly stacked. So it's, it's, there's so many little things in beauty makeup that you don't realize happen until you're doing it yourself. Like I never realized how many layers of foundation you had to put on even just a regular woman to get her to look the way you want her to look about the lighting, about the angle you're shooting at. So it's, it's quite incredible really. Yeah. Yeah. How, uh, you know, and one thing that I noticed with a lot of uh, drag artists is they kind of have a, uh, Try to create some sort of a look or their, a unique style, you know, and I think you, you seem to have that too, especially when I go through your Instagram, which is definitely make sure you check out Ritzy's Instagram. There's links down in the comments below. And, uh, I mean, you definitely have a unique uh, look to the way you style your makeup. How, how did you decide on one and uh, does that still evolve? Um, my personal method of doing it was, wow, do I like the way I look in this picture? No, we have to change it. And I, I've gotten handy with Photoshop over the years. So I will also go in Photoshop and take the makeup and be like, okay, what needs to change here? How do we add this? Because I found that the things you're doing in Photoshop, you can do with the colors you're putting on your face anyways. Like in here, in this crease, there's about 16 different colors to get it to look the way it needs to look. And I only learned that through trial and error. And I, I actually find that there are certain makeup styles that work best for each face shape. And once you figure that out for yourself, you really don't want to stray from that because you, you can find yourself looking less flattering. Although there are definitely times where that's the look you're going for. And in order to execute the whole fashion, you kind of, want to get rid of the brow but for me it's usually this and there's a lot of techniques too to kind of sculpt your face by using shading and stuff and and illusions of different shapes and stuff but i think that is really cool that you use photoshop in a way so uh, i think initially when you said photoshop i thought you meant just to enhance your photos to make it look different but you mean that's where you that's where you're designing it in Photoshop and then oh, yeah. you take that design and apply it to your, I never would even want to thought that's so cool. What a great way to use the technology. 
Well, one of my friends had yeah, sent me a, a lot of makeup too, right? Oh, yeah. Carl oh, Hair. yeah. Uh, you, you can, it's different because in person it'll look a certain way and photograph, video, it all looks a little bit different. But to me, if you're doing soft, simple editing, like just removing a couple of blemishes, that, that's something you can't really get rid of. But when you're taking this line and moving it up, you can move that up on your face when you do the makeup as well. And one of my friends had sent me pictures of her to Photoshop. She was like, could you just retouch these? And I sent them back to her. She was like, wow, I have never looked that good. And I was like, I know, but you can. Yeah. You just apply these same techniques. I'm not doing anything. I'm not like enlarging the eye and dragging this over here and move. I'm just taking what's there and making it a different shape or uh, changing the color to pop the highlight a little bit more. Like even here on which eye, on this eye, if I were in Photoshop, I would take all of that and just make it brighter. And then in person, when I do the makeup again, I would take a lighter color and just blend that there. And that, it just makes sense to me that way to other people. It might not make sense, but yeah. that's how my brain processes. No, absolutely it. makes sense. And one, another way I'll justify it too, is because I mean, lighting alone, in different lighting, it can all look different, and and that's something you can't really control. If you're on a set for something, they do the makeup to work well with that lighting. And if you're walking around or going to different rooms and stuff, you know, and then the people take photos, yeah, being able to alter that to make it look the way it was intended to look is, I don't think that that's absolutely that's that's what you should do. That's great. Yeah, and, and but but that being said, too, you know, there's an art to there's so many steps to the art. To, to create that finished picture like that from not just doing your makeup, but also to the photography as well. Do you have a photographer or do you work with people? I, do. Uh, I, I have worked with a couple of people and my favorite photographer, his name is James Michael Avance. He's a very good friend of mine. He does, um, actually, I think you have a picture of me in like a silver outfit, little armor with a gold ponytail. Yes. He took that picture. That's amazing. Uh, wow. It's one of my favorite pictures. And he, he just really knows how to direct behind the camera as well. And that to me, like I, when I was a child, I modeled for Fisher Price. So I had had a little bit of experience with modeling before. And then in my teen years, I tried a couple of things. So I was comfortable behind a camera. Yeah. But tried a couple of things. That sounds terrible. I was <laughs> I was in a, a catalog for a bank, like employee training. I, if anyone ever actually saw those pictures and was like, this person looks a little young to be working at a bank. Yes. Yes, I was. And I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> That's but, so funny. Uh, getting behind the camera and drag was a little bit different because you would take a picture thinking it's going to look cute. And you look at it, you're like, who is that man? Why? That's not, that's not cute. And having someone who's able to say, okay, now turn your head this way and extend your neck and lift the chest and just know how to get you there. That's the magic behind a good photographer. Anyone can take a decent picture, but it takes a really special person to make the magic happen. And he... If you have a chance to check out James Michael Avance, I think on Instagram it's JMA Vision. Definitely do. Oh, thank you, Christy. All of his pictures are fantastic. He does headshots for actors and 
what I, I love about it is that he just brings the natural beauty that's there forward. And there are people that will go in for a picture that I know are camera shy and they have told me, I hate having pictures done. I hate how I look in pictures. And it's not just the retouching he does on it. The actual photo of that person is just beautiful. Cause you can see, how do I put this? You, you just see the happiness in their soul behind right. the photo. I mean, I think that's the skill of any artist, even like what you were just saying with doing the makeup, you're really just trying to bring out, you know, your best features to bring out yourself. And that's what the, that's what the photographer is trying to do as well. And I think it's so smart of you to use a photographer. Cause again, so many, like, like I said in the beginning, you kind of have to be a jack of all trades in so many ways. There is so much that you probably have to do yourself. Um, I know so many drag queens, uh, drag queens that make their own outfits and stuff, or they do their own photography. Um, are, so you, and uh, you're specializing in your makeup and in your hair. Are there any other elements of it that you do create? Oh, well, it's, it's touch and go. I have like this outfit and this hair were not done by me because <laughs> if it was done by me, you could tell, but there are certain, certain times where I will do, uh, my own photography, like I just posted this other picture of me in red hair for the very first time and like aerial red hair. It was great. And I just took that in my bathroom, went in Photoshop, made it look great and posted it. And it's, it's, there are a couple of moments like that where I have to take control and it's, it's hard. And I commend the drag queens out there that are every aspect of their drag. It's them. There's nobody helping them because it's very hard to really master all of those skills. Because like you've said before, drag queens are a jack of all trades, but by no means does that mean we're a master of all of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I, I do a lot of my own video editing. Mm-hmm. And I do my music editing, uh, all of my music, actually. I have done all of the vocal editing for. Um, and it's it's fun for me to do those things. And I'm, I'm a control freak, so I'm like, I have to do this. If I can't make it perfect, then I'll make somebody, I'll find somebody who can make it perfect. But I, I like to be the one that's in control of it, because that way, if it's bad, I don't have to yell at anybody. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's, it's good to be able to get other people to work on things, too, because what that does is that lets you uh, focus on other aspects of this art. Or really, in a way, it's a business. You know, you're trying to sell yourself. And even looking at, uh, I mean, a lot of people, even just for a gross example, uh, as in a big example, RuPaul, like I, he started off, I'm sure, doing all of his own, making his own outfits, doing everything himself. And now, you know, he's got people that probably do everything, which allows him to focus on production and other things, being able to delegate things. And even though you might be able to do it better, having someone else do it will give you time to focus on some other aspect of the show. And I know there's many shows that you are involved with. Can you talk about some of the shows that you're involved with? I, I actually just, if you don't mind me, I'll pull up some of these things you do. Uh, um, a drag brunch and uh, oh, yes. many other events. It's such a cool. Did you do this poster too, or is this one done by someone else? Uh, James took the picture, and I did all of the editing to make the poster come to life. Wow, that's great! That's great. Can you tell us a little uh, bit. About those? Pardon? Can you tell us a little bit about those shows? Yeah. So I really got my start doing. <laughs> hey, Coco Taylor. I got my start doing drag brunch and. 
it just kind of fell into my lap. A very, very well-known drag queen, Britta Filter, who was just recently on RuPaul's Drag Race, she said to me, Ritzy, I am so booked. I cannot possibly wake up early on Sunday after being out all night on Saturday. Would you mind covering a couple of brunches for me? And it just, the, the restaurant is this tiny little, um, I, I would barely even call it a restaurant because it's just this little... <laughs> This is a little room where you can seat like 40 people and I have an aisle to perform in. And it lent itself pretty well to my style of comedy and my gymnastics because I can just flip down the aisle and they're like, oh my God, how is she doing this? I hope she doesn't get hurt. The space is so small. And it, it became this fun, exciting thing. And I was fortunate enough to take that to another venue that's even bigger and has this big stage. It's called House of Greens. It's my favorite place on earth. And we are doing brunch there. Well, we were doing brunch there for a while. And it has been really fantastic to have that going. And in addition to that, I was hosting a show at the Rose Wine Mansion, which was a wine tasting experience and at the end, there was a drag show once a week, and that was a lot of fun to do. I had Nicole Anoscopy and Jack Barrow with me, who is a boylesque performer, and Nicole is obviously a drag queen, and that was a really good time. We, La Pulperia brought me back to do a Tuesday night show, which unfortunately was cut short, but I look forward to joining them again because that's really where I got my start in drag. And throughout the city, I pop up occasionally. Someone said to that I was like Haley's Comet. I'm not there constantly, but every time I do show up, it's always fun. So I just <laughs> have to be quite flattering. That's funny. That's so. Uh, first of all, it's so cool that you uh, know and work with Britta. We were big fans of her this season, which is uh, really cool. But um, and, and I guess one thing I did. So the brunch, I, my, I'm guessing that's not the main types of shows that you do as well. Is that kind of more of a? Oh no, it is. That's that's my bread and butter. Oh, it is the bread and butter. Oh, okay. brunch. One person told me that I started a renaissance of drag brunch in New York. I don't want to, like, claim that, but somebody said it to me, and I'm repeating it now. Uh, it, it's just, it's fun for me. I've found that not only do I perform better on people who are eating, <laughs> I think it's because there's a competition. <laughs> Is it, am I better than the food you're eating? Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, it's but there's some sort of magic in dinner theater, and I I think that what I do is light and fun, and I try not to touch on anything that's going on in the real world because I want you to come to my world, which is eh, it's got its its perks. <laughs> but I I try to give you a little bit of escapism, and I think brunch is perfect for that. It's a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. You're getting a little bit buzzed and going on and having a good time with the rest of your day. So that that's really the bulk of what I do. That's so cool. No, I didn't realize that was it. I, I assumed it was more like night uh, club performance. No, they hate me at nighttime. Oh, it's it's tragic. The no, night the nightlife. It's I I try. I love it. I really have a good time. But I I feel <laughs> my look is a little too regular. 
So sometimes I show up to the venue and people are like, get out of my way. I'm like, I'm one of the performers. Do I just look like a real girl out for, does it, would a straight girl show up to a gay bar like this? Like, yes, let's drink mimosas. No, <laughs> no. Well, maybe, but no, I'm part of the show. I'm here to perform and I do my thing and they're like, oh my God, I didn't realize you were part of the show. Yeah. It's interesting. I, it's, I put it this way all the time. When you're doing drag, one of the greatest things you will come across is finding your tribe and finding your niche. Mm. For some people, it's cabaret shows. For other people, it's nightlife shows. For me, it's daytime drag. Mm. I argue that my makeup looks the best in daylight. So... That's great. No, that's a really good, I mean, that's good advice for anyone in any art, really. It's just like finding the aspect of it that you are, where you find yourself in it and then doing that. Um, you know, one thing you're talking about that's making me think of is, um, you know, in a way, drag can be, you know, in a way, there's, I would think there's a lot of competition. Any other artist would be a, a competitor in a way, but I imagine there's also a lot of collaboration between other artists. What um, What does that look like for you? Um, the competition or the collaboration. Oh, you can start wherever you want. Um, with the competition aspect, I, there are a couple of other girls in the city that have flips in their arsenal as something. And that to me just said, okay, well now you have to develop other talents. You can't just be the girl that flips because guess what? There are two other girls that flip three other girls, four other girls, who knows? And it's, it's, no longer that thing that makes me completely special and something that has to be part of my full package. And I, I took it as an opportunity to round myself out as a performer because at that point in time, I wasn't as confident with hosting. And now I'm just like, hand me the microphone. I've got this, this group of people over here, they're going to love me in 20 minutes. And if they don't, something is wrong with them. I'm scared. <laughs> but, uh, so that, that just, was how I viewed competition. And it is hard because you, I, I think I had this conversation with someone earlier today. There are some venues that don't care. Yeah. They're like, you bring people in good. I don't care what your act is as long as there are people here. And then there are some venues that are like, well, you work X, Y, Z place. So you cannot work here. And that's bizarre, but to each their own. I understand the business aspect of it as we want our queens who are exclusive to our, our establishment and you can't go get them anywhere else. Cause I took that and flipped that and was like, well, I only do brunch. So this is how you have to come see me. Um, so that it's, it's interesting. It's all in how you handle the competition. And as a competitive gymnast before doing drag, I was like, Oh, Okay, I, I understand how this works. I view it as I'm comp competing with myself, and anything any other queen does is just a gateway for me to come in and do something similar in my own thing. So I, I try not to compete with other people in that sense. It's more like, hey, I see you. You're doing great. I'm going to do great my way. And um, that's just my philosophy. Other people are more cutthroat about it. And I've seen it. And, um, if that's how you want to run your business, that's how you run your business. Go ahead, girl, yeah. go right ahead. 
Yeah. Uh, it's, it's especially because a lot of us in New York come from performance backgrounds already that are super competitive. So that nature carries over. But on the flip side, the collaboration process is really quite beautiful. I have a couple of queens that I work really, really well with. And I try not to stray from that because I am one of those people that's like, if it's successful, I'm not going to mess with it. Yeah. It's not broke. I'm not going to try and fix it. But I will see something and be like, oh, this is funny. Why don't we try this? And then the other queen goes, yeah, but you know, it would be really funny. And then it's just, it snowballed out of control. And it's really fun. It's like, it's like improv, but gay, really, really gay improv. <laughs> uh, my personal favorite queen to work with and people are going to get pressed if they're watching, but is Misty Mountains because she's up for anything and she will fully commit to whatever is happening. She doesn't care. It's one of my personal favorite things that I get to do in my drag career is work with Misty Mountains. Uh, but I, I see Coco Taylor was here. Maybe she's still here. She put together a full scale drag production of Drop Dead Gorgeous. So I was a part of that and we had our group numbers, we had our solo numbers, and we all had to individually learn, come together and put it together as quickly as we can, like a long form drag race maxi challenge. And that's that's another thing I really love. A drag queen named Heidi Ho, she not the queen from RuPaul's Drag Race, the actual Heidi Ho in New York City, she put together Scream Queens and she took the entire season of uh, season one of Ryan Murphy's Scream Queens and made it into two 45 minute acts. I was like, this is incredible. Thank you for thinking of me and my talents and what I could bring to the, this character to help bring your show to life. And, um, Coming from a theatrical background, that's, I think that's the core of drag is putting on a great fun show and utilizing the different talents of each performer to tell that story. Yeah, that sounds great. You know, I've been, I've, I have a bunch of different, uh, covers of what looks like different shows that I've seen you've been uh, a part of this knocks out, knockout thing. I mean, this looks very compelling and interesting. I see, oh, yeah, uh, that's a fun. D- done uh, drag roasts, which I'm sure are a ton of fun. Um, what oh, was this one here? Oh, that's Brun. Oh, that was our special Valentine's Day. See, I, I, I love the Photoshop because if I want to change up my poster for my event, just because it's nice to see something fresh. Oh, yeah, that's in the, those are all from when I was at La Pulperia doing brunch. But it looks like I'm super busy because they're all different flyers. Um but again, you you catch the eye differently when your flyer looks different for, oh, Once Upon a Drag. That was another, I would love to talk about that real quick. That oh, yes. was when we were, it was me, Britta Filter, Jan Sport. We had Alexis Michelle for one of them, Laguna Blue, Rosé. And uh, what I would consider some of New York City's like top tier drag queens we did children's theater and it was an actual theatrical production that Vincent Cooper put on. And it was so wonderful because drag and children don't always mix, 
it, I personally feel it's up to the parent, but when you have an event that is strictly for kids, written with children in mind, nothing could go wrong. There's nothing dirty. There's nothing um, just, just lighthearted. We're retelling children's fairy tales, but as drag queens. So it's a little bit more fabulous. It's a little bit more sassy. And uh, I, I just had the best time doing that. We did Cinderella and Sleeping Beauty and... It was great. It was because I teach gymnastics to kids outside of doing drag. So it was nice to incorporate those two skills together. And all the rest of the girls were like, why are you so good with the kids? Why do they like you? I was like, because I know how to talk to kids. Yeah. And a part of why drag queen story hour can sometimes go wrong, because I feel like not every drag queen is um, knows how to be around children and knows how to uh, make something educational and fun for the kids. They're just reading the book and you gotta, gotta jazz it up for the kids. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And same way, everyone shouldn't be a teacher just cause you're good at like teaching something doesn't mean you're good at working with kids. It's a totally separate thing. But on that same topic, um, are there any, you said that you teach gymnastics. Are there any other things you do to diversify your income or something like that? Um, uh, I, I really do try to make drag my main source of income now. That's, that's especially where the competitive thing in New York city comes in. Like some girl will be like, I've been doing drag for six months and I'm a full time queen. And you look and they are, they're booked here, there, everywhere. And you're like, how did, wow, good for you. So I, I wanted to take the slow approach because I, I just well, I, I will say in this current point in time, a lot of drag queens are not receiving unemployment because they're not, they're not, uh, hired in a way where they're able to claim that legally. Some of them are under the table for a lot of gigs. So they're really down and out and they're relying on doing the virtual shows to make their money. Whereas I'm in a position where I'm luckily fortunate enough to receive unemployment because I have an actual job and doing drag is not always, you don't have that security of, oh, okay, yeah, you need me. I don't need you. A lot of the venues, especially the nightclubs, will view you as somebody that is um, expendable. Well, I'm not sure if that's the right word, but you're easily replaced as a drag queen because if you're not willing to work for $50, this person over here is that they'll do the show for free. So that always worried me, and I had... I had an experience where I showed up to the club and I was ready to go. I was like, tonight's going to be a great show. I've been working on these numbers. We're going to have a great time. And I get downstairs and the cocktail server goes, oh, did nobody tell you? I was like, tell me what? They had replaced me and didn't even tell me. So that happened to me once. And I was like, I got to keep this job teaching the kids. But yeah. then over the last year, my career has kind of blossomed and I've been fortunate to work with companies like Steve Madden and Sinful Colors Nail Polish to, uh, and Dermblend, L'Oreal, uh, Revlon to create some content for them. And that has helped me kind of push myself more towards, oh, you can do this. You're not doing it the same way everyone else is. So you feel like you're doing it wrong, but you're doing it. And to me, making it as a full-time drag performer, that's the only way you're making income. That, that's the goal for me. Yeah. And to do it without having to be on TV would be great. 
<laughs> that's right. No, that that's great. You know, one thing I just want to add in too, because you mentioned about them not being able to get the unemployment. They should be able to get it. This is actually a topic I've, I've been yeah. on. I did a YouTube video about it not too long ago, a collaboration with my other buddy. But um, so they might not be able to get as much as they necessarily should because of uh, if any money was under the table. But if they just apply as an um, independent artist and they claim all that they could claim, at bare, even if they only get like fifty bucks a week, right now the government's giving an extra six hundred dollars on wow. top of whatever it is. So at bare minimum, even if you get zero because you've never claimed anything, you should at least get six hundred dollars a week because of okay. that government incentive. So I would highly recommend that they definitely check that out. And I'll put a try to put a link to that down below too. But um but uh, do you do any other performing at all, like uh, auditioning for uh, like uh, theater shows at all? I know that you had a theater background. I have submitted myself for a couple of things, but once once I found that everything I loved about doing theater, I could put into my drag, and it could be more authentic. It can come from me. I just became more interested in doing that. I I love doing theater, and I love being told what to do but I hate being told to do it behind X, Y, Z people or no one's going to see you. And then you come to my show and you're like, Oh, you're the star. So that, that to me, I was like, let's, let's appease the ego a little bit. Uh, and I also, I found that for what Broadway was looking for at that point in time, while I was in New York city and thinking about auditioning, I wasn't fitting anything. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to do the drag thing and listen to all my theater teachers who said, you will work a lot when you are older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, yeah. that's kind of where I've been. But I've also, I've had in a fantastic opportunity with um, the Mohegan Sun Casino to create a drag show for them. So to me, it's it's a bit more rewarding I may not be a big Broadway star. I may not be an actor that a whole bunch of people have known about. But if you ask a couple people who Ritzy Bits the Drag Queen is, they're going to go, oh, my God, I love her. We saw this show, blah, 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 and we did that. And to me, that that's what I want to create. That's the legacy I want to leave behind. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll give people a little taste. I have a clip from one of your uh, videos here that we'll play right now. I'm Mitzi Bits, this is how it's fake. You busted queens can't handle it. Got my brunch game down the best in town. You'll catch the Z's full ass national crown. Let's take a second to address one thing. My favorite skill is called blending. Don't cry, cause my makeup's better. And my back hands bring out your boyfriend. Right? This is, uh, what a great video that is. It's really well put together. Can you You're talk about how that came to fruition? Okay, so this is actually a really fun story. As I said, one of my favorite drag queens, Misty Mountains, she was in a pageant. And she was asked, why and explain? <laughs> Which is not a question for a pageant. But, and it just it cracked me up because without missing a beat, she goes, because I'm that bitch. And hands the microphone back and then takes it back to say, and if you didn't catch it the first time, I'll say it again. I'm that bitch. And I just sat there and it was cracking me up. And then for days, I was just going, I'm that bitch in the morning. And I was like, this is dumb. This is something no one's going to want. But I kept doing it. And I kept doing it. And I kept, and I was like, well, if it's stuck in my head, it might get stuck in somebody else's head. So I played her the idea for the song. <laughs> and she goes, when, when are we making this happen? 
<laughs> so I just had the intention of making the song and seeing where it went. And then she goes, you know, Rixie, I really would like to be a video hoe. So I said, all right, if you can find us a good director and we can make some magic happen, let's do it. Why not? What else are we doing with our lives? And we found her name is Heyday. She is a fantastic, uh, just creative mind. She has her own music. She has written a TV show that she filmed and she's submitted films to film festivals that are good quality, wonderful, entertaining films. So I was like, yeah, we can work with her. This will be fun. It was, it was exciting because I don't have a lot of experience behind the camera doing things like that. It's mostly uh, things like, like this, where I'm filming myself talking or I'm uh, filming a performance, but it's just like one and done, a live performance. So doing a music video was very interesting. Also something I've always wanted to do. And it was a lot of fun. I I will never forget standing there in that pink dress. And that dress has a corset built into it. And underneath that dress with the corset built into it was yet another corset. Because I said, if I'm going to be on camera, I'm not going to look like I have an extra 10 pounds. I want to look as skinny and cinched as possible. And I couldn't breathe for four hours, but it was worth it. No, that's great. No, yeah, and I, for people who don't know, I, I make dresses too. I haven't made one. The last one I made was my wife's wedding dress, but I always put a corset in. And it for me, it actually makes it easier to build because there's so much structure around it rather mm-hmm. than a, a loose um, a loose garment. But uh, that is so cool. Yeah, that video looks so great. It's shot so well. So you actually you wrote that song? Yep. Well, all of... I wrote all of it except for Misty's rap, which was written by a drag queen named Kareem McJagger, wonderful queen, uh, very talented, especially with writing. And Misty came up with, um, there's this little moment where, oh my God, I'm forgetting it, blanking all of a sudden, but it's work, slay, fear, something like that. And so she came up with that because I was like, it's kind of dead in this spot. I need something here. I don't know what it is. And she was like, well, we tried this. And yeah, it worked. (laughs) That's great. Yeah, you should definitely do more of those. I I don't know if you have any in the plan, but especially so when you get something that's catchy like that and you get it out, uh, you know, you know, with the right luck, this could be the baby shark of the drag world. (laughs) I know. That's what we were hoping for. that might not be the baby shark of the drag world, but I've got a couple more songs I'm working on that even if they're not successful, I have been having a great time making music and I like, it's funny doing drag because as a kid I was growing up and I would just listen to Britney Spears and dance in my bedroom, shake the whole house. And my mom would be like, this better be used somewhere in your life because I cannot deal with this. And my dad was like, I think it's going to come in handy. I think that all of this will have a purpose. And here I am. It's been a wild ride, but really great to especially realize some childhood dreams and be like, Oh yeah, you could do that. And you did it on your own. You didn't yeah. need, I always thought I would need a big recording studio. I would need a publicist, a manager and all these things. It's just me. Yeah. It's just me and uh, my guy who does my hair and a couple people who make some clothes for me. 
and oh, and of course, my assistants, Jennifer and Peter, they come in. I don't know where I would be. I would still be in the closet trying to get out of one dress if I didn't have people helping me get out of it. So, yeah, I'm no, always very grateful. That that's amazing, and it's amazing how all these different things that you do in your life can lead you to one thing. It, it's kind of happened to me as well. With my main thing outside of my day job is my puppetry, and I, I used to be a, do magic shows. I used to do a lot of dressmaking, all these things, but it all came together into puppetry, where I make my puppets and do performance with them. And it's the same thing with you with drag, which is. Which is all you can hope for for anybody, you know, exploring their their art and their their making uh, lifestyle. But another thing I just want to touch on quick too is, um, how do you go about promoting yourself? Um, for these events and even just, again, obviously one thing we know that you do for promotion is, um, all these amazing photo shoots that you do with these great, uh, uh, photos. But uh, how else do you, yeah, let people know more about Ritzy Bits? Uh, oh, that's, that's always been the struggle for me was promoting. I usually will do a lot of ads through Facebook or Instagram to push the content out to people that wouldn't necessarily see it through my page. I know a lot of people have found out about me through Google, because if you Google Drag Brunch New York City, my face will come up. <laughs> Um, and there have been, I've been really, really lucky. I will say that Mm -hmm. I go to work, I do my job and people hear about it. It's a lot of word of mouth. And I've had what worked for us at La Pulperia was having articles written about us, which didn't just happen. Um, and if it did, that's great. I'm not sure how people, (laughs) decided, hey, I'm going to write about this drag brunch happening at this venue. But I was very lucky. We were in Food and Wine and a couple of other online uh, bigger sites that it was just a couple of articles. And I will never forget this one woman. Bless her. I think it was for one of the newspapers in the city. But she wrote a review that <sighs> she she didn't think was a nice review. <laughs> I took it as lovely because she called me sinfully good. She didn't, she didn't quite subscribe to my brand of humor. She, mm. which has Welcome evolved. Show biz, right? <laughs> and I was like, Hey, you came, you had a good time. You still wrote the article, but she saw me in the street and she goes, I just want to let you know. Sometimes when I leave a bad review, places get more business. And I was like, if that's what you call a bad review, I'd hate to see an actual bad review because it was still nice. It was basically, I and I understood it from her perspective. Her viewers and her readers were a little bit um, more devout and probably did not enjoy the humor that I enjoyed. And it's it's not for everyone. I understand that. I don't care. But she knew, she knew her readers, so she let them know about me. <laughs> And I I loved it, but I I luckily had a guest that day who was, uh, her name's Gilda Wabbit, very talented operatic singer, and she does very intelligent song parodies. So she was there that day, and the article was all glowing reviews about her, which, hey, I said the same things about her. I'm fortunate enough to be working with her in a couple of weeks on my new venture, which is um, Instagram Live Drag Brunch. Mm. So... 
Oh, and that brings it about the collaborative aspect again of I like to have somebody who is working with me that is not going to give you what I'm going to give you because then what's the point of me being here or yeah. what's the point of them being here? So I like to have queens who bring something different to the table, especially live singing queens. While I am a recording artist, I don't like to sing live very often um, because I, I just... It's one of my insecurities, but I have so many friends who are such fantastic live singers. So I love to bring that into the mix and um, yeah, just circling back to the. Yeah, no, absolutely. And for people to check out your Instagram, I would highly recommend people check it out. You'd, uh, I mean, look, the photos are amazing. You have video clips of, of things that you're doing. And like you just mentioned, that's where people can go to see these uh, live Instagram live drag shows, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, and I'll be doing that with Thrillist. So actually, I'll be on their page. But um, oh, okay, but I'm sure you'll oh, yeah. share that Very- Instagram story or something for people. If they follow yes. you, they'll be able to find it. Oh yeah, definitely will. Yeah, that's. A- Are you on TikTok as well? I'm not. I can't get behind the TikTok thing. It's. It's hard enough for me sometimes to be like, am I creating good enough Instagram content to now I got to worry about a whole other platform? Maybe if Instagram starts to die down and I realize TikTok is the only way. But um, until then, no, I will not be ticking nor talking. Oh, not take. Oh, that's all right. Uh, I think you should give it a try, though. It can be a lot of fun, even just to play a little bit. But but uh, I do hope to see you uh, on YouTube doing some more stuff. Do you have any plans for that? Oh, yeah. I've been thinking about it, and just like with drag, I want to make sure what I'm doing is not exactly what you can get out there. Like, I've done, luckily, I've partnered with a couple of companies that wanted me to do makeup tutorials for them, but I I don't want to sit there and have it be makeup tutorial with Ritzy, get ready with Ritzy. Like, that. that's done, that's been out there, so I'm trying to come up with something a little bit more unique and exciting for people. Um well, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I totally see that, but I, I, I think you should hop on the train because you have only two videos and you have over 1,300 subscribers already. I do. That's from, from like- when I was on YouTube. <laughs> and I was doing YouTube out of drag before I started doing drag. And oh, I, was, <laughs> I, I was about it for a while. And all mm. those videos are still there, but you can't watch them anymore. <laughs> Well, either way, I mean, that's still, it wasn't, it's not what you're doing now, but it was still you and people had a bond with you. And clearly you were likable yeah. enough to have a following. And I think the world wants a more Ritzy. And I have a quick clip of uh, one of your tutorials up there, which was amazing. Uh, I, I'll, I'll play it right now. And like I said, you're, I think I think you would have a lot of really good potential on YouTube, and especially now that the time that we're in, I think now is the time to lean into it and experiment with it. Yeah, I I am looking forward to creating things. I just got to sit down and make a list of exactly what I want to do. Yeah, because I I, I would just sit in front of the camera and be like, "What now? What now? Yeah. 
Because wow. that's, that's what I used to do. I would just sit there and be like, okay, what are we going to do today? Let's try this here. Who knows? And now that I actually know what I'm doing, it's more like, what knowledge am I willing to part with today? That's right. Yeah. And putting your best self forward with that. That's amazing. Well, well, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, you know, I, I think people learned a lot about uh, what it takes to, to, to get started. Actually, before we end up, is there, what I'll end with is, um, do you have any advice to anyone who would want to get started in drag? My best advice is practice, practice, practice. It's totally fine. Go out and go do it. But practice at home. I was a stay-at-home queen for a long time before I actually went out. I had a whole arsenal of things, I numbers I wanted to perform, looks I wanted to do. And also go to the shows. I know we're not going to the shows now. But when shows start back up and you're able to leave the house, go meet the queens, meet the people putting on the shows. Because when you're able to say, hi, I've been to your show a couple of times. I've been doing drag. Would you mind if I did a number? You're more likely to get a, oh, yeah, sure. That will be great. Because that's exactly what happened for me with Alexis Michelle and Joie de Vivre. I went to the show. I went to the show. I went to the show. And then one day I said, hey, here's a picture of me totally wasted too. I was so embarrassed, but I was like, Hey, this is what I look like in drag. Would you mind? And they were like, uh, yeah, you could come to a number or two. Sure. That's fine. And it snowballed from there. You have to find a way to get your foot in the door, find a crowd that you are familiar with that you know, you can, if you choose to entertain, you can also just sit at home, be a drag queen on the internet. That is perfectly fine. Lots of people have done lots of great things doing that. Uh, but if you choose the performance route, definitely find somewhere where you will fit in. Because as a showrunner, when queens are like, hey, I'd like to do your show. And then you go to look at what they do, if they have stuff out there. And you're like, oh, I don't think that fits with what I do. While I appreciate what you do and I like what you do, it's not the vein of my show. So definitely know your audience, know your numbers, and know your face a little bit, just a little that's, yeah. that's my personal yeah. advice. Oh, that's great advice. And one thing I pull away from what you're saying too is like, you know, if you want support from people, the best way to get that is to also support other people. It kind mm-hmm. of like what you're saying with going to other people's shows uh, and stuff. So that's amazing. And that would go for any trade and whether you're a puppeteer, a, a drag queen, a magician, whatever it is, a maker of some sort. Well, Ritzy Bits, thank you again so much for coming on. Make sure you follow her on Instagram and check out her YouTube. And she's also on iTunes. Check out her songs. They've been scrolling at the bottom the whole time and we'll put links down in the comments well ritzy thanks again and everyone else we'll see you with another show soon bye Bye.